to invite to the pulpit our own district superintendent, Reverend Tim Barker, to come and share the word with us this morning. Put your hands together and say welcome here. Amen. such a joy to be here at the Ark uh, Fellowship and see what God has done. It's a joy to be here with um, our superintendent friends from the Georgia and the Kansas district, but even more than that, it's just great to be in the presence of the Lord. And he is here today. Do you sense him in this place? I'd like for my wife to join me if she will. We have a presentation on behalf of the district that we would like to um, present to uh, pastors today. I, I, I had the pronunciation, but I've lost it. So, Brother, good luck. And Pastor Angela, it's a joy uh, for us to be able to do this today. The South Texas District Council of the Assemblies of God conveys its congratulations to the congregation of the Ark Fellowship Assemblies of God, Cypress, Texas. Pastor and Mrs. Goodluck, on the, the occasion of this dedication of your new facilities, January the 29th, 2002, may God continue to bless your ministry with fruit for his kingdom. It's signed by myself and our executive secretary, Treasurer Don Wee. superintendent from Kansas didn't realize he was coming on tour in the South Texas district to be our photographer. But we appreciate we're on our leadership tour in our district and uh, we have 10 sections of which we have been in four and uh, we'll be in four here in the Houston area this week and then next week the Beaumont and the Natchez Valley area of our district and God is just he is just moving in such a powerful and such a rich way. Isn't it great serving the Lord? I have enjoyed this morning so much, and to be with you, I, I have to say that I believe you have some of the sweetest pastors I've ever met. And it's such an honor to be here today with them. I'd like for you to take your Bibles, and we're going to be having a time of dedication of this facility in a bit with our superintendent from the Georgia district, but I've got a word that I want to share with you from the Lord today. It's a very familiar passage of scripture, and it's found in Matthew's gospel, chapter 6. In fact, why don't you stand with me as we recite this passage together? I don't think you'll need your Bibles, but if you do, it's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, and it says this, after this manner, pray ye, our Father, read it with me, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. One more time, if you will. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated if you will. The game was in the last few moments. The receiver gets the ball and takes it into the end zone. With time running out on the clock, the field goal kicker gets it through the uprights. There was an eruption of celebration at the glory of the event because the spectacular took place just in the nick of time that carried the home team over the edge. Now, everybody reacts differently. Some folks jump up and down. Some people applaud and clap. Some yell. There are all kinds of reactions, but one thing the same. They're all celebrating the same event. Something has come through just in time, and it's worthy of celebration. Well, having given us this glorious prayer in, in, in the, the passage that we've read, we come to the close of this prayer. If you have your Bibles, look at it with me. It says in Matthew chapter 6, the prayer ends with Jesus saying, the second half of verse 13, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Jesus is saying to the disciples, when you've gone through the process of prayer, when you recognize the paternity of prayer, that it's God your Father, when you recognize that it's His kingdom that matters first and foremost in your life, when you have identified the priority and the program of prayer, that it's His will that you want to be accomplished and not your own will, when you've looked to Him for the provision that you need, give me this day my daily bread, when you've looked to God to grant you the pardon that you needed so that you could extend that same grace to others, when you have offered God or asked God for the protection of prayer, Lord, I want you to guide me in the paths of my life as I face the challenges, and it's time for you to say amen. Don't say amen too quickly. Now think about it for a moment, and if you think about it real hard, you'll be tempted to do what Jesus has done here, and it's done all throughout Scripture, and that's what is called a doxology. A doxology comes from two Greek words, which means to praise, doxa, logos, which means to speak or to say or to utter. So a doxology is an utterance of praise. But a doxology is different than all kinds of other praise. It's different than general praise. It's like the kind of praise that happens when the score they, they score the game-winning field goal with only seconds left on the clock. How many of you identify with that? It still counts for three points, but how many of you know it's different than all the other three points that have been scored throughout that game? A doxology occurs when time is running out. You may have applauded with all the other three points that have been kicked, but with this one, you go crazy because this is the finale. A doxology is to let you know today you are on the winning side. It's, it's to let you know that whatever you are facing on this day, God is still on the throne. A doxology is like a volcanic eruption in my soul, and I just can't keep it down. It's where it shakes you up and you just can't keep it to yourself. Now, if you've never had a doxology, I'm not sure you're saved. 
Because saved people know what it is for God to go through the uprights just in the nick of time. Saved people know what it is for God to come through for them when all hope is lost. This is a doxology. It's found all throughout Scripture. David broke out in his praise in First, in first Chronicles chapter 29, verse number 11. He contemplated the greatness of God. He began to think about and meditate of the goodness of God. And he says in verse number 10, it said, David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. Because hear me today, when it comes to a doxology, you don't care who's watching. You don't care who's listening. But it says in verse 11, so David said, blessed art thou, O Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. And you have made everything that is in the heaven and in the earth. Thine, O Lord, is the dominion. And thou dost exalt thyself as head over all. David just couldn't keep it to himself. Something is wrong with Christians that, that hold it in all the time. Something is wrong with Christians when they keep it down all the time. Every now and then, you need to let it be known. God, I see what you just did for me. God, you are great, and I marvel at you. Paul said in Romans chapter, I'm sorry, Pastor, good luck if y'all are more dignified than this. But I'm excited today. It says in Romans chapter 11, verse 36, talking about the glorious plan of God. Paul, considering the glorious program of God, the the glorious redemption of God, after seeing how God had worked with both the Jews and the Greek, and he couldn't take it anymore, and he comes to verse number 33 of Romans chapter 11, and listen to what his doxology says. Oh, the depths of his riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How unfathomable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given? given to him that it might be given back to him again. And then he winds it all up by saying, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Come on. He just couldn't keep it to himself. That not only applies to people, but it also applies to the angels. When the angels showed up at the birth of Christ, and you know the story in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, all they could say was glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward all men. They were literally overwhelmed at the presence of God. Paul says it again in Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you. How many of you are glad? Of that at the Ark Fellowship. He is able to establish you today. According to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery. Which has been kept from long ages past. But is now manifested by the spirits and the prophets. And the commandment. The eternal God has been made known to all generations. Leading to the obedience of faith. And then he says to the only wise God. Through Jesus Christ. Be glory forever. Amen. Come on, don't say amen too quickly. 
Don't say amen too quickly unless you have contemplated the glory of this great God that we serve. Even the many disciple got involved, and he didn't have a lot to say, but what he said was so powerful. Speaking of Jude in the New Testament, he couldn't take it any longer. And when this volcano began to erupt in his soul, he came out in verse 24 in the only chapter in his book, and he says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling... And to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. Come on, we're, we're going to end this thing with joy. With great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Hallelujah. This, this volcano began to erupt and, and, and only after the eruption did he say, Amen. Jesus is answering the question of the disciples when they ask him, Would you teach us how to pray? And every now and then, Jesus said, Pray like this. And every once in a while, get crazy with it. Every now and then, you, you need to get unsophisticated. Every now and then, because it gets so good to you. Every now and then, you, you just can't keep it to yourself. Sometimes we are too cute in worship. Sometimes we are, we are too pretty in worship. I, I appreciate the worship team today. Thank you for worshiping. You know, a lot of times we go to conferences and, and they sit all the dignitaries on stage. And, and I have to apologize to my, my superintendent friends, but sometimes they just don't look like they're having a good time. And I just want to say, bring them down here. We don't want to look at that. Sometimes we are too sophisticated in worship. I'm not suggesting that we lose our dignity. I'm not suggesting that we lose our sense of decorum. But every now and then, you need to let it known, God, I saw what you did. I saw that point. And we're on the winning side today. That's a doxology. It's an eruption of the soul. And I just can't help it. Spontaneous eruption of praise. It not only happens here, but it happens in heaven. In Revelation chapter 5. Verse number 13, as they gathered around the throne, the angels and the elders began to contemplate the glory of God. And all they could say in verse 12 was, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and every created thing which is in the heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that are in them. To him who sits on the throne be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And you know when you hit a doxology because one word just leads to the next word and you don't even have to take time to explain it. You just keep repeating it because the greatness of God just overwhelms you. In the Lord's Prayer, he gives us four specific things real quickly that a doxology is going to express about God. Go back into the Gospel of Matthew with me. When it gets really good to you, now it's dangerous, I've got to tell you, to exegete a doxology because the only thing that counts in the game is that we only care about one thing. We won. How many of you know the Texans didn't have some pretty wins, but we had some wins? 
when the replay is played and they play that same play over and over and over again, the only thing we care about is we win. Come on, are you, are you hearing me today? I, I, the key to a doxology is we win. We win. I haven't found a doxology in the Scripture yet where we lose. A doxology, I've not found one in Scripture where, where we're discouraged because God didn't show up. Come on, somebody get this today. Every doxology in Scripture glorifies God. I don't know what you're facing today, but I'm here to tell you, you can look forward to your doxology moment. When you're going to be able to burst forth with an eruption about the goodness and the glory of God. He says four things ought to make you want to shout. Four things ought to make you want to give thanks to Him. Four things, as the teenagers would say, would, should make you want to act stupid. Four things ought to make you want to get out of your comfort zone and praise. He says in the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse number 13, your recognition of God's sovereignty. Thine is the kingdom. Kingdom means rule. It means authority. It refers to God's sovereignty. It refers to God being king in his kingdom. It refers to the fact that every other kingdom is going to fall short in comparison to the kingdom of God. Every attempt to raise its hands against God will someday be subject to defeat. You remember in the Old Testament, perhaps, the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. He had a rival kingdom. He thought that he could build his own kingdom. And when King Nebuchadnezzar came to the end of his life, it's listed for us in Daniel chapter 4. This is what he says in verse 34. At the end of the period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I bless the Most High and praise and honor him who lives forever. And then all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar hits his doxology moment, and he says this. He says, for thy, his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. He does according to his own will in the host of heaven. No one can ward off his hands or say to him, what hast thou done? In verse 37, you got to hear this. I, Nebuchadnezzar, now praise, exalt, honor the king of heaven for all his works are true, his ways are just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Now, the, the, the key to this is he had to go to an insane asylum to learn this. He had to spend seven years in a sanitarium to learn this. Let me keep somebody, somebody here today out of the sanitarium or keep you from losing your mind. Always make sure that your kingdom serves his kingdom instead of demanding that his kingdom serve your kingdom. That means we reject all the other kingdoms. They're in conflict with his kingdom. Sometime back, there was a cell where King Elvis Presley had some items that were being sold. One of his automobiles sold for $277,000. One of his sequin outfits sold for $113,000. By the time the auction was all over, over $5 million of the king's goods had been sold. There's only one problem with that. The king is dead. I, I hate to tell you that. 
Some people think he's still around and he's coming back. But I've got news for you. I have a king today. I know a king. I know a king who is very much alive. I know a king today who reigns and rules forever and ever and ever. And my king is not for sale. He is alive and he is well. Hallelujah. Another reason we ought to get excited about God, look in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. We praise Him for His power. Thine is the kingdom and thine is the power. The good thing about God's king kingdom is He has the power to perform what His kingdom expects. He can do whatever His kingdom demands. There is a French philosopher by the name of Voltaire. Voltaire was a pagan god, king who, uh, pagan man who cursed God. He said there is no God and there is no thought of God. That's just small-minded people who think about God. How many small-minded people do we have at the Art Fellowship and proud today? I think about God. When it came time for Voltaire to die, he lay on his deathbed desperately in need of God. Historians tell us that he screamed at the nurses. And one of the nurses said, I never want to see another man die like this man died because he died in agony, foaming at the mouth with hell looming in his eyes. And here is this man who cursed God. Here is this man who ridiculed the word of God. And if you go over to his home in France, it is now a Bible factory where Bibles are being made and distributed all over the world. I'm here to tell you today, God can take those who ridicule him. He can take those who cuss him. He can take those who who you used to uh, work against him and use the place where they used to do that to write his word. God's power is unlimited. His power is self-generating. He doesn't need a rechargeable battery, and He's not running on low today. Who can say it better than Ephesians chapter 3? He that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, be glory and power and dominion both now and forevermore. That's your King today. That is your king today. Don't say amen too quickly. Don't say amen. Don't end that prayer until you consider all that he is. Thirdly, praise him. Jesus said for his majesty. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Glory means weighty or heavy. If anything will give you a doxology, it's his glory. Now stay with me for a moment. It's when God shows up in your situation and he's the invisible God becoming visible. It's when we can see him actively working in our circumstance. He shows up. That's glory. It's when there is no way, no how am I going to survive this one. And all of a sudden God shows up. That's glory. It's when all hope seems to be lost and God shows up. That's glory. Come on, I know what I'm talking about. I was nine years old. My parents, let me first of all preface this by saying they were in their mid-40s, 46 and 47 when I was born. I was a surprise, but thank God. That was a perfect opportunity for at least my wife to say amen. My, uh, my mother, my mother was, was the rock of our family. Mother had crippled 
legs. She had polio when she was a baby. Spent the first seven years of her life in the Shriners Hospital with crippled children in Galveston. But she was a remarkable lady. And when I was nine years old, my brother and sister-in-law came to my school to pick me up that morning, or at mid-morning, and, and it was unusual, so I was concerned. Now, what I was concerned about was the fact that when I would take my parents to meet the teacher night or open house at school, people would always mistake my parents for my grandparents. Oh, you brought your grandmother with you today. Well, that was okay. You know, I, I kind of got over that. But then my friends would be missing school for a few days, and the teacher would say, you know, be careful when Mary comes back because her grandmother died. Well, in my little mind, I had a fear that I was going to be raised an orphan. I don't know if you can understand that. But it was a a nagging fear that I lived with. And when I was nine years old, my brother Doug and his wife Linda came to the hospital or to the school, picked me up, and they said, Tim, we're going to the hospital. Mom has been admitted to the hospital, and and uh, it's very serious. So we get in the hospital, and, and there was a big double door over to the side of the waiting area. And back in the olden days, some of you young people won't relate to this, but you couldn't go past there. They had this big barricade that said, if you're under the age of 12 years old, you're not permitted beyond this point. And they had a big guard nurse on the other side of that, that door that would prevent you from going through there. And so I had to stay out in the lobby. I remember, I remember going over to, a, to sitting there thinking it was taking forever for someone to come out and tell me the condition of my mom. I went and found a tree, a, a silk tree, and I got behind that tree and I began to pray. And I remembered a lesson in Sunday school where Peter was in prison and the church began to pray for him. They could not get behind the bars, so they said, but we know someone who can So they began to pray, and in my nine-year-old little mind, I began to pray and ask the Lord to go where I couldn't go and make sure my mom was okay. And and I, I remember as my aunt and my uncle came in, and my aunt came over and she took my hands in, in her, uh, her uh, my, my face in her hands and she said, Tim, I'm going to go check on your mama and after I make sure mama's okay, I'm going to come back out and I'm going to sit with you. And it seemed like she was gone forever and ever and ever. So finally my sister-in-law, Linda, comes out. She sits down on the floor next to me and she says, Tim, we're here because the doctors have diagnosed mama with cancer, and they say she is in stage four, and even though she had it, she has hours to live. My greatest fear was becoming reality. I remember, I remember praying, God, you've got to get back there because they're not going to let me, but I know you can go and make sure my mama's okay. After several hours, family members coming and going, the double doors open, Pastor, and my mom carrying an IV pole, my dad on one side, my aunt on the other, makes a trek across that hospital waiting area, and my mom said to me, I don't know what's been taking place out here in the lobby, Tim, but Jesus visited my room, and he has healed my body, and and she was released from the hospital, and, and the doctor's 
The doctor said to her, you, you've got cancer. You should not be uh, being able to be as mobile as you are. And, and my mother would go to the hospital and she would have tests done. And they would say, Miss Barker, you have cancer and you're not going to make it. And she would say, I know, I've had it for years. My mother lived to be 88 years old. And she died with stage 4 cancer. I'm telling you today, God, God's glory was made manifest just when I needed to know that He was there. Don't say amen too quickly. Look at the definition that's given to us of God in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15 and 16. Probably the clearest definition in all of the Scriptures. It says, which He... Bring, will bring about in proper time he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, who no man has seen or can see, to him be glory and eternal dominion. Amen. Don't say amen too quickly. Don't, don't say amen too quickly. He closes by saying this, For thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, and thine is the glory. Forever. 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 Praise Him. Number four. Musicians will come for just a moment. We'll spend a few moments in prayer before Pastor comes. But you can praise Him today for His eternality. He, there is no end to Him. No, come on, think about this for a moment. You think for very long, you'll go crazy. There was no beginning. God came from nowhere. There's never been a time where God's not been. God has no beginning. Before beginning was, God was. God always eternally lives in the present tense. There's no past. There's no future. Everything with God is right now. Fifty million years from now is right now with God. Three million years ago for God is right now. Why, why, why am I saying all this? Why are you telling us this, Pastor? I'm telling you this today because you can trust Him. You can trust God today. Come on, hear me. On the dedication of this great facility, Pastor, you can trust God. The reason I know that you can trust Him, He's been to heaven, He's been to hell, and He's come back and He's told us about it. He forever lives in the I Am. All other kingdoms are temporary in comparison to his kingdom. The Roman Empire lasted 422 years. The Egyptian Empire lasted 313 years. The French monarchy lasted 465 years. The Russian monarchy lasted 741 years. And they all died out. And one day the great United States of America will come to an end because no nation will outlast God. But Isaiah said in Isaiah 57, verse 15, that God inhabits eternity. I may have messed up your doxology. But the point is, when you get fixed on God, you can't keep it to yourself. Some people will think you've gone crazy. Some people will think you've, you've lost your sophistication. We, we sang about it just a few moments ago. When David started dancing before the Lord, his wife said, You're crazy. David said, If you knew well, like I knew, if you understood like I understand, you would be up here cutting a jig with me. 
because God is so good and He's done so much for me. We used to sing a, a chorus in the church that I pastored not far from here in Tomball. It was an old chorus. I'm not asking us to do that, by the way, okay? But it was a chorus that said this, Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. Come on. He saved me just in time. Now, I understand some of you don't relate to that. You need to straighten your halos a little bit. But the rest of us that live in the real world, God came through for us just in the nick of time. When it seemed like time was running out, when you understand and it gets so good, you'll give God a doxology. So how do I sum this up today? Some of you are saying, I have no clue, but hurry up. The disciples said, teach us to pray. Jesus said, start with God, end with God, and everything in between will take care of itself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, So here's the question today. The game isn't over time. The winning field goal is upon us, and the ball has just, come on, get in my mind, has just left the foot of the kicker. We wait with bated breath. Are you just going to sit there and say, that was nice. That was so awesome. Are you going to go nuts? Because somebody here at the Ark Fellowship knows what it is for God to come through for you just in the nick of time. Come on. Come on, give Him glory today. Let's stand across this place and give Him praise today. Come on, don't be cute. Give Him honor today. Give Him glory today. Hallelujah. 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 We praise You, Lord. We praise You, Lord. We praise You, Lord. We praise You, Lord. Oh, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. I'm going to praise His name. Yeah. His name is the praise Him. Look what the Lord has done. Come on, one more time. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. this place today to God be the glory great things he has done so loved you the world and he gave us his son hallelujah 
God is worthy of our praise today. He's worthy of our adoration. Father, we give you praise for this day. There's one person that slipped into the Ark Fellowship today. And they need, they, need, they need the visible God to show up in their situation. May it happen today. May we thank you. May we walk, may we walk as a testimony of your great provisions of the past as we anticipate what you have for us today and in the future. Father, we give you the praise. We thank you today for all of your many blessings. So undeserving are we. But we say thank you today. Come on, around this place, can you just say thank you to him? Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How awesome is our God. How glorious is it. God is great. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Let me not let you know this. It's great joy in our hearts because of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, or you have called upon him, but you are not living for him, you will not know the joy that we're talking about this morning and what it is to praise him from the heart. You have an opportunity this morning to cry unto God and ask him to come into your heart. I did this in 1975 when I realized that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus is the same God that created the universe. It shocked me. God died on the cross for me. I need him. I need him. He's alive. I accepted him. My life has never been the same since that day. No backsliding. I got nothing to go back to. Just Jesus. I'm going to pursue after him. You need to do that. Amen. If you don't know him, bow your head this morning and say this silent prayer to God. He hear you. He's everywhere. Bow your heads with me. Say this, Lord God, I believe that you gave your son, your only begotten son, to die for my sins. He is the Savior. Today, I make him my Savior. Come into my heart. Come into my life. And be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If you did that, this is your first time. Your name is already right there, right now. In the Lamb's book of life. And the angels are rejoicing over you. Your life will never be the same. Amen. Please be seated.